everyone. Welcome to the Pucktown Podcast live here at Frothy Beard. Thanks for being here with us at Frothy Beard and joining us for our first live podcast. Jared Schaffrin joined this week here by Parker Milner, a former goaltender for the South Carolina Stingrays. And <laughs> thank you, yes. And, uh, and now with the, uh, the Charleston City paper, and uh, we'll get into his goaltending, uh, the paper, and everything like that. But, Parker, uh, thanks for being here. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, Chef. It's fun um, to uh, be around some Singrays fans again. It's been a, been a minute. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of weird, I guess, <laughs> not, not playing this year. Like, what, are your, what is it like to, to be out of the pro hockey uh, realm this year? It's, uh, I think like everyone else, it's just time is kind of moving in a weird direction and I don't even know if it's fully registered yet that it's next season and everything, but um, I had the opportunity to skate with the guys a couple weeks ago and uh, definitely, definitely made me miss it um, and it was fun to get back out there. Yeah, I was going to ask you, you know, being that you got to skate, I know everyone's aware, uh, you know, we had a goaltender injury, so we needed some practice help and uh, you were able to jump in there what was it like to be back on the ice uh, it was a lot of fun in the moment uh the the morning the next morning after the first day i i had the worst lace bite ever my feet were killing me and um the following day after that my my hips and my knees started to go <laughs> so i quickly realized uh, how much of a difference it makes after you've taken about eight months off but um yeah, it's a, it seems like a fun group. Um, Blairsy's uh, seems like he's doing a great job out there. It, it doesn't seem like it's been that long since since you guys were out there in March. But how does it feel like for you? Uh, you know, what have, what have the last couple months been like for you since since the season ended so abruptly? Uh, I mean, initially uh, I was up in Myrtle Beach with my family, uh, just kind of stuck in the house like everyone else, and then. Uh, Eventually came back to Charleston and uh, started writing for the Charleston City Paper, which I was doing uh, last season for for parts of it, um, more so towards the end of it. So I, it was uh, an easier transition than than most people who are retiring from professional hockey. Yeah, I mean that that must have been a, a bit of a decent transition, like you said, because you had been doing a lot of writing, you've been working a little bit as well. Uh, what was that transition like, uh, you know, just jumping right in and not even have to worry about hockey? There, there was no hockey to be played, so you could kind of focus on that right away. Yeah, it, I was doing a lot of that work and playing, uh, and when I had really started ramping up the, the work with the paper during the season, we had gone on a crazy road trip to the East Coast and then to Boise, Idaho, so... <laughs> Once I was able to slow down and, and just focus on uh, my new job, it, it was uh, a little easier in that way, but also kind of weird learning how to, to do a completely new position remotely, uh, you know, working with your coworkers over Zoom, that sort of thing. Um, I guess take us through what it was like when the season ended. How did that come together with the paper? How quickly did that materialize for you? Uh, so I was working part-time during the season from February on and the idea was that I would take over full-time once the season ended. I don't think anyone thought that the season <laughs> would end on March 11th but I just kind of started uh, pretty much in five days after uh, 
and that's just kind of how it went. It was uh, a little slow moving at the start, but I was able to learn the ropes pretty quickly because I'd been doing it for a couple years freelancing, so uh, it, it was not a bad transition. Speaking of uh, transitions and, and things that are a little bit different, we wanted to congratulate you also on, on your engagement. That, uh, that happened pretty quickly after the season. Uh, yeah, congratulations. Uh, kind of jumping right in there for, for everything. Yeah, well, it, it was a funny story. I drove up to Columbia uh, to ask Virginia, my fiance, her dad, uh, if, if I could marry Virginia. And I did that in February because it was pretty early. Uh, I was planning to ask at the end of March, but I knew that our travel schedule was a little tricky. So I went in February and then the pandemic happened and uh, one thing led to another and it was June before I was actually able to ask her. Um, so I think her parents were probably wondering what I was doing, but um, I eventually was able to ask her at an another one of our favorite breweries uh, where we had our first date, Revelry. And then, uh, like we were talking about earlier, Frothy Beard was able to hook me up with some cool shirts like the ones right here uh, for all of my groomsmen. So. Very nice. Well, congratulations again. Thank uh, you. Obviously, you know, a lot of things happening. Going back to the, the paper, um, what's your role like there? What is, you know, kind of take us through your day-to-day, your -day, what you might be doing on a day-to-day -day basis there. Uh, so I'm the cuisine editor, uh, which basically means I'm uh, in control of the food section. So I uh, come up with the articles that we write about, whether that's online or in print. Uh, and so a lot of people confuse cuisine editor or food editor as someone who is a critic and goes in and like talks about the different nuances of, of the cuisine. But my role is more to tell different stories about people and the chefs and uh, the restaurant owners. And uh, it's been fun to work with Michael and the crew here about some different stories about Frothy Beard as well. And what, what are, take us through kind of how some of these stories come about. What as the as the editor when you look for a story what are some of the things you look for how do those stories materialize and what makes a, a story for you guys i think most of the time we're looking for <clears throat> really small businesses uh people that are doing creative unique things around charleston uh sometimes i'll be scrolling on instagram and virginia will wonder what i'm doing but uh, <laughs> sometimes i'm just wasting time but other times uh there's some really cool little small food pop-ups or businesses that uh, they don't even have websites or marketing teams. They just have an Instagram and they start there. So uh, we're trying to kind of find those those little stories, but also cover uh, a lot of the big food-related news going around Charleston and uh, fortunate to live in a, a town with such a awesome food scene. You guys have the paper in print, um, but you also have your website. How do you determine what's going in print versus online? How many stories are in print each week? Or I don't even know if it's, it's a week or every other week that you guys print. And how do you figure out what makes the paper? So every, every, week, every Wednesday, uh, the paper goes out in print. Uh, I think they usually have them here. But uh, for my section, we do between uh, one and two long format features every week. That's a little less. The papers are a little smaller right now. But uh, and then online, where we have uh, two to three stories every day. So the the pieces that go out in, in the actual print paper are longer 
format features. Sure. Uh, yeah. Sure. And you also have pregame skate that you're that you're doing as well. And for those that don't know, uh, you know, pregame skate, a, a newsletter that's online. And you've been you've been kind of working at that for a little while now. How's that going? And, and uh, what's it been like to kind of juggle that alongside the, the city paper? Yeah, so I've kind of stepped into more of an editor role with that. I have a, a writer that writes that for me now a couple times every week, and I just kind of read through her work and, and post it. So it's it's been fun to to be on that side of things, uh, and I think it's good experience for me to learn how to how to be in that role. Uh, we're also working on a serialized podcast called The Asterisk that uh, we're hoping to release soon, but it's basically chronicling the uh, 2020 NHL playoffs and so we had eight different guests uh, that kind of just went through a lot of the things that happened in the NHL last year from some of the coaching changes to the social justice issues in the NHL um, to the bubble 2020 playoffs so we had John Butchergrass, uh, Brett Peterson who's the new assistant GM with the Florida Panthers I actually was able to get one of the uh, bubble chefs, Trevor Connie. Uh, so we had some some fun guests, and uh, I, I think it turned out pretty well. That's awesome. Uh, where where did you guys get the idea for that? How did that how did that become an idea that you guys were going to try to do that? I think we were just thinking about how weird last season was, and I think a lot of people forgot because it went the season uh, went on pause for two months. A lot of the crazy stuff that happened in 2019 from Don Cherry getting firing to Mike Babcock getting firing and called out by a lot of Red Wings players to all these different things that happened uh, even before the season was paused. Uh, so we wanted to take a look at that and see how that impacted uh, the eventual Stanley Cup playoffs that, that happened last summer. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm look, looking forward to hearing uh, some of those guys. And, and like you said, you know, so many things came out of those news stories. Um, and, and now that the NHL is back, uh, there's a lot going on. The, the schedule is very condensed. There's a lot of teams that are, um, that are moving in a different way. There's different divisions. Uh, what are some of the things that you guys have, have tried to cover over the last couple of weeks with the season starting? Uh, we've, we took a look at actually some of the uh, announcing changes. Uh, it's pretty weird not hearing, I'm sure you know as a uh, an announcer not hearing Doc Emmerich's voice is is pretty crazy, uh, and I, I miss it for uh, or myself. But Kenny Albert's done a great job, so we we covered some of that stuff. And I was just talking about Mike Babcock; he's now and uh, yep. a studio analyst. So there's some interesting stuff going on there. Um, and then some of the division stuff between the Canadian division; uh, they're traveling a lot less, and uh, the East division, which is what seems to be the most competitive in the NHL. Uh, so there's a lot of interesting storylines early on. The Canadian division tonight, a uh, big matchup with, uh, with Connor McDavid going up against Austin Matthews. That's pretty cool for the NHL as they're going to get that matchup more than they've ever had before. Uh, and those guys are you know, entering their prime, and they look like they're going to be two of the biggest stars in the league right now. Yeah, it's fun to watch, and uh, I think the NHL is doing a great job again almost making you forget that there's no fans in 28 of the 31 state stadiums. So it's uh, whether it's the fake crowd noise or covering the seats or whatever they're doing, uh, it, it seems to be working at least from a, a viewer standpoint. 
have you been following the, the Stingrays at all? Uh, you, like we said, you, you were able to practice. You obviously know a lot of the guys. It's different that you probably can't really do too much with the players because they're kind of in the bubble right now. But how much have you followed the, the Rays and, and kind of kept in touch with what's happening with Stingrays? Yeah, I definitely keep up with the, uh, the social media updates you guys are doing and um, try to follow along with some highlights. And uh, it seems like they're picking up right where, where we left off last year, which has been fun to watch. Um, it, it just really is an awesome group of guys that a lot of them I, I got to spend three or four years with. So um, it, it's, it's cool that a lot of them were able to come back and, and play this year. Now, when you were on the ice, I'm not sure how different it was. You know, it's a new coach this year, but you knew Ryan Blair really well. Um, I'm not, not sure if you ever knew Brendan Kodak other than playing against him, but, um, you know, what was the vibe like when, when you were out there, and, and was it much different than what Steve Bergen was doing last year? Uh, it's, it's a little different. Uh, Ryan's a little more vocal, and I, I think brings a lot of energy, which is cool. Um, and... I, I thought he ran a really crisp, fun practice, and uh, I, I got to hang out with him some this summer uh, once they got down here, and so it's, uh, I, I think he's a, he's a great fit for the job. Just like I said, the energy he brings and the passion, and uh, I, I have to say, I, I had a couple highlights from the practice. Definitely <laughs> a low light was uh, Tim Harrison uh, absolutely sniped me and like blew up the water bottle that was on my net which uh, was kind of embarrassing but uh, other than that it was a pretty perfect couple days so probably a little bit embarrassing but also Tim probably made it uh, I could see him probably uh, making it a little bit tougher on you as yep, well because yep, he wouldn't yeah. let you forget it yeah <laughs> rightfully so because I was kind of chirping at him before so <laughs> Um, what else have you have you been able to do uh, with some of the extra time that you've had? Uh, you know, different schedule for you, not having to, to be at practice or be on the road or be on the bus. Uh, have you been able to do anything else with, with some extra time? Uh, I think we've kind of been, you know, supporting our local restaurants and, and breweries and whatnot, trying to be safe about it, eating outside and that sort of thing. So it's been nice to... Uh, to have that time on the weekends, um, be able to do some wedding planning, you know, not be completely tired all the time. There's definitely a lot of things that I am enjoying about retirement. As much as I do miss being on the ice, uh, having a normal life is, uh, is something that I really appreciate. And I guess, is there anything you miss most? What, what do you really, really miss about uh, the game and, and playing and being a part of a team every day? I definitely miss being around the guys, but I, I really, truly just miss playing, uh, just being out there on the ice. I think I realized that a couple weeks ago. I just, even when I retired, I knew that I wasn't retiring because I didn't like to play anymore. It was just kind of a lifestyle change. And so I will hopefully be able to get out on the ice more once things get back to normal because uh, I think just, just playing is, is probably what I miss the most. When you look back uh, at your career, you know, what stands out about you know the whole the entirety I mean obviously I think your college years you guys had a lot of highlights when you were at BC and um, you know what are what are some of the things you kind of look back on and, and you're really proud and fond of when you think about your career I think there's a lot of things I think it was such a turning point when I was able to come to Charleston because it had been an up and down experience in the three years prior at just kind of moving around and being in places that were so unfamiliar for me. College college was was amazing and fun and, and comfortable in many ways. We were treated um, about as 
well as you can be treated. Uh, and it was kind of shocking once I first <laughs> came to the ECHL and was thrown into Stockton, California. And so I just think back to um, my conversation with Mitch Korn, who is the goalie coach for the New York Islanders now. And uh, he helped me get down here. And Scott Murray, who's the Capitals goalie coach now, kind of mentored me uh, and changed around my game. And so I'm just really grateful for a lot of the people that uh, I was able to interact with before coming to Charleston. And then uh, once I got here, it, it really did change my life. I met my future wife. I found a new career that I'm really passionate about. And so I, I really can't imagine uh, having not come to this city. You mentioned Scott Murray doing well himself since you met him. He's gotten a promotion uh, now, now obviously with the Capitals full time. And, you know, some of those guys with the Caps, you know pretty well. Uh, obviously, Vitek Vanacek now on the roster full-time. What's it like watching him uh, the last couple days getting an opportunity to get some starts? Yeah, that was cool. Even last night, he, he did a great job um, against the Penguins. I mean, that's <laughs> like for your second start ever, that's pretty scary. I would be terrified. Um, so I, I sent him a message, and he sent me back some gibberish and check. But, um, <laughs> yeah, he's uh, he's one of many goalie partners uh, that I've had here that I really enjoyed uh, playing with. And so it's, it's fun to see him have, have some early success for sure. Yeah. And the, obviously you have some, some friends on the Penguins as well. Uh, you know, you obviously know you're close with du Brian Dumoulin and um, <laughs> probably funny to kind of watch that game and have a lot of different guys that you know on both sides there. Yeah, definitely. Uh, it's, it, it, it's always fun watching Dumo. He is just so solid out there. And, um, yeah, it's just cool to, to watch one of your best friends play with in the top pairing on the Pittsburgh Penguins every night. And so it's, it's been enjoyable to be able to watch more hockey. And, uh, obviously, I hope the Penguins win. But if they don't make the playoffs, he'll be uh, at be able to come to my wedding and be one of my best men. So I'm kind of <laughs> a little torn there. But um, it, it, it's pretty cool for the NHL, I think. It's weird that there's going to be, uh, you know, less travel, and but it's also pretty amazing that, like, you brought up McDavid and Matthews and Crosby and Ovechkin. Those guys are going to play each other so many times, and I think in many ways that will be awesome for the league because uh, there's those rivalries are going to grow even deeper, and uh, I think it's going to make for really good television. When you when you look at what's going on in the ECHL. Do you think you could handle this bubble? Uh, how, what would that be? What What do you think it would be like to try to be playing on the bus, but then not have that time out, you know, enjoying yourself to be able to kind of have to limit yourself? Do you think you, that's something you would have been able to do? Uh, the short answer to that is no, definitely <laughs> not. Um, I have a lot of uh, respect for the, the guys in the team because it, it has to be hard and, um, you know, I understand why they have the rules in place that they do, and it, it makes complete sense. But I, I just, I really don't think I could have done it. Um, I, I just always look forward to, you know, having a great time on the ice and then getting to explore the city outside of that. And I really do hope that um, we get back to normal in the in the next couple of months, so guys are able to to really enjoy this city. But like like I said, I. I think the ECHL and, and the Stingrays are obviously doing the best that they can to um, be as safe as possible. And so the measures that, that you guys are taking make complete sense.
Well, we're, we're at Frothy Beard, and obviously you, you've tried a lot of different beers all over, whether it's you know here or other breweries. Um, but I figured we'd, we'd kind of try to sample some more things here as we uh, continue throughout the show. But, you know, going before we even try anything else uh, on the menu and, and maybe give a couple of reviews, uh, what are some of the things you, you've liked about this brewery? And, you know, what are some of the styles that, that you're going for when you're, when you're here? I will, will say that the beer I have now, Sips It Pass, is one of my absolute favorites in Charleston, but uh, an underrated one, and I don't know if they still have it. It's kind of one of their Christmas ones, but the Peppermint Porter is they do have that. Uh, insanely refreshing and delicious. Uh, I actually got it for my future mother-in-law, and the pink can is, is really deceiving because it makes you think that it's going to be super light, and then you see the color and you're kind of thrown off, but it, <laughs> it really tastes... Uh, pretty refreshing for a stout and so I enjoyed that one recently as well but um, you really can't go wrong the positive vibes also my mom has a dog that looks like the dog in the can so we always like that one too so. when you come here is is something do you, are you big into pairing your beer with your food obviously a lot of times you're getting pizza when you're here is there you know if you're going to eat pizza you're trying to trying to have a, a little bit of a lighter or darker beer what do you think goes well with pizza I I'd usually want something light and simple, but um, to to be honest, I, it, when it comes to beer, I usually just get get my favorites, and sometimes I'll try one weird one that um, I'm not too sure about, but I, I usually stick stick to my guns when it comes to beer. Cool. Well, we're gonna take a, a quick little break so we can try some of the beer. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna sip a few here, and uh, we're gonna come back on in a few minutes and and give you some reviews and maybe some recommendations of, of something you might want to try, and, uh, and we'll, we'll finish up the show. Thanks, Chef. We'll be back in a few. I guess the Pale Ale, you know, it's, it's kind of been our first one here, and I'm actually pleasantly surprised. Really not, not bitter at all. Yeah, it's, ginger uh, makes it pretty refreshing. Uh, seems like you could drink it pretty fast if you really wanted to. Yeah, is that something, I don't know, and you might be more familiar, is that something they have here pretty frequently? Is that a staple? I believe so, yeah. but I, th I think we should probably ask Michael before he <laughs> quote me on that. Well, it's something they have right now, yep, so if, yep. if you're looking for a pale ale, um, that's, a, that's a good start for sure. Yeah. I actually did, I actually did a, the, the frothy over the summer they had a virtual beer fest. Oh, yeah. And yeah. I actually did the virtual beer fest, and I, I get kind of into these things, so I actually took notes uh, and gave some reviews. <laughs> yeah. And I have, I have the reviews on my phone, so I, I, was, I brought it back out for tonight because I figured, you know, I can tell people what, what to get. And actually, my number one, I gave five stars to the, the Tides Irish-style red ale which they still do have here, and that's at, on our flight, which is going to be one of the ones we try. I don't know if you've had that one, but that was uh, – I have different beard emojis next to the <laughs> – so that one got five beard emojis. Does that me. have anything to do with your red hair? It, it might, okay. but maybe that's a subconscious <laughs> thing because I, I didn't uh, – I didn't. you know, for me, that was like a really good in-between. Like it's not too dark, yep. but also it was just – has that caramel – a little bit of sweetness to it, and uh, that was my number one, my yep. number one beer. Yeah, when I think of Amber's, uh, 
my one of the first ambers I really enjoyed was Fat Tire from Colorado, yeah. and um, so I am excited to excited to dig into this one too. I yeah. guess we can give that one a try too. Yeah, that's our next that's uh, our, next one. our next one. The uh, the Tides of Galway. Actually, Fat Tire. That's, uh, that's really good. That brings me back too. Uh, yeah. We were uh, when I lived in Nebraska. That was really popular. I was. That was on tap almost everywhere you could go, you know? Well, yeah, I remember uh, when I was in college, one of my uh, roommates is from Colorado, and we he was raving about it, and that was like if we would normally be like on the Keystone Bush sort of train, <laughs> but uh, we would treat ourselves to fat tire sometimes. We could only find it at like one beer store around Boston, yeah. so um, it was always a, always a treat. We got to go to the New Belgian Brewery when we were – in Colorado, uh, playing, playing the Eagles. Yeah, I was a couple different times. Got to go out to New Belgium. Took our uh, our trainer Rick with me, of course, and uh, we we had a good sure time. Sure, he appreciated that. <laughs> yeah, he, he enjoys the he enjoys the brew. Actually, thing is for Rick too. He he enjoys the sour beers, and uh, New Belgium has a really good selection of sours, which. Yep. I don't know if we got any sours on our tasting, but that's no, I, for me. That's something one of my favorite beers is, and I got turned on to it actually by New Belgium. It was mm-hmm. the first one I ever had was at New Belgium, and realized I actually really liked it, and then just kind of started trying. Yeah, new there's sours. one of those in Asheville too. Yeah, um, I I actually didn't didn't get to that one uh, when we went, but uh, yeah, one of those kind of bigger breweries that also has like a microbrewery feel, so pretty cool. Yeah, that's like one of my uh, one of my spots for sure. New Belgium, and uh, they they have a, like a sour brown ale called La Folie mm-hmm. that uh, is one of my favorites. And uh, yeah, I was able to have it in in Asheville. And we went uh, pretty cool right by the the water there. You can go tubing on the river and then hop off and jump over to uh, to New Belgium in Asheville. So yeah, that was a, a good time when we were yeah. there. Chef, we're going to have to talk to the, the folks at Frothy here. I noticed they do not have Puck Sopper Pale on anymore. Yeah, so what's up with that? we will have to figure that <laughs> maybe out. They, maybe they retired it when you retired. Yeah, I mean, that would make – in <laughs> yeah. fact, Blairsey still calls me Puck Stopper. So oh, wow. um, we're, we're going to have to talk to them and see if, if we can get uh, another round of Puck Stopper. I remember we, we, we were here for an event last year, and we had the, the Puck Stopper, and that was flowing pretty good. That's a, yeah. an, an easily drinkable pale ale as well. Yeah. Um, I so think uh, Virginia was telling me, my fiance, she went to a game one time and she ordered Puck Stopper Pale at the concession and the uh, person who was working there was trying to tell her like what the beer was and she was, <laughs> she obviously knew what the beer was and he was completely wrong and um, so she just had to kind of let it go. But <laughs> Yeah, you know, the Coliseum, they, they do what they can. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we'll have to educate them. They didn't um, know exactly who they were talking yeah, to, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, what, uh, what do you think so far in your first couple sips of the uh, of the Tides? That is, it's really refreshing. Caramely is a, a good way to describe it, I'd say, but um, definitely very smooth. Otherwise, uh, uh, you know, I don't, and I don't want to, you know, dwell too much on Frothy. I obviously love it here, but... You know, when you're around Charleston, what are some of your other places that you like to try out? And, you know, obviously the, the brewery scene here is it's a small, tight-knit community, but it's it's growing. There's so many more breweries now than even there were a few years ago. Yeah, yeah, we, we definitely, if we're coming to West Ashley, we, we come here or uh, 
we do pick up from Charlestown Fermentory. Uh, they, they've kept their tap room closed since the pandemic. It's a little tighter. Um, so that, that, that's always been another one of our favorites. Uh, like I mentioned, Revelry has a special place in my heart, obviously. Uh, I guess a, a recent one that I've probably been going to a little more uh, would be Fatties. They've got a really yeah. nice little outdoor area with some AstroTurf, and they've had some uh, good food trucks and whatnot there. Uh, and then there's some really cool ones uh, deep into Mount Pleasant on the off the Long Point Road uh, exit. Uh, Ghost Monkey, Two Blokes, and Hob Caw, I believe yeah. is how yeah. you say it, right on the water. Um, same thing, great outdoor space, uh, lots of food trucks. So those are really good. And then uh, you live out in Park Circle, you've got some great options there with Holy City, uh, Common House, and then you have a new one coming up uh, called Tideland, which will be located in the old Holy City. Uh, that, that should be pretty cool. So. Yeah, I just saw that. That's one of your most recent stories, right? Yeah, you yeah, guys yeah. just published that. So, you know, give us a, give us the inside scoop on uh, on Tideland. That you said it's in the it's in the Holy City spot there, and um, obviously they just kind of, did they just leave their equipment, or did they have to bring in new equipment there? Uh, they did a lot of upgrades. Uh, for instance, the old when Holy City was there, they didn't have indoor restrooms. They just had portage yep. So they added indoor restaurant uh, restrooms. They added a beer garden. Uh, I think they're. It's obviously difficult for restaurants and breweries and bars during this time. But if you're opening one, one of the positives is you can add more outdoor space even before you open. And so I think they were able to do that. And. Uh, the chef that is going to be serving food there every day uh, used to work at this restaurant called The Establishment, which was closed after the pandemic but was located on Broad Street. So they're, they're going to have some, some serious food there as well, which should be cool. Well, that's good to know. I, and as much as uh, you know, I, I really enjoy the new Holy City, you know, going there before, like you said, it was a little more rustic. You, yeah, you, yeah, it's it, a completely different vibe The beer is great, but, <laughs> uh, yeah, now you go to the new, and, and you know, talk about planning a, a new space at the right time. They have such a massive outdoor area, which is which is huge for them. You know, you have plenty of space if you're there and you're outside. Uh, I'm a huge fan of their uh, RKS, the Red Kettle Sour that they have yeah. there, so... Their, their beer list is, is one of those that you just have to stare at for like 10 minutes before you decide. It's, it's just, a, it's like a cheesecake factory menu. It's a little <laughs> overwhelming, but um, there's lots of great options on there. So, Outside of Charleston, what else do you like if you're back home or like we mentioned, Asheville's obviously a great city. What are some, you know, top couple breweries that stand out to you, not even in Charleston uh, that you, that you've, frequented or that you've been to over the past couple years so my uh, parents live in Bronxville New York which is just outside of Manhattan and recently within the last two years we've started going to this place called Captain Lawrence which <laughs> is awesome I have a story um, about that actually <laughs> and they just dis- they distribute I-, I think they probably you probably find it at uh, the they, grocery store they here do have a couple stores. Um, uh, at the the quick stop that's near Park Circle they have it yeah have it there yeah, and there, there's some good ones, and uh, the actual brewery, the main brewery, is, like, massive, and the food's amazing, um, great outdoor space, and just pretty cool place to go on a Sunday and watch some football or hang out. So that was, I probably should have figured that out, that it was that close to my parents' house, 
couple years ago, but I just found it like a year and a half ago. So every time I go home, that's uh, definitely a stop that I make. That's funny because uh, one of the last times I was home, uh, I went there. <laughs> uh, my brother is was living in Westchester at the time. He since the pandemic, he's he's since moved, but. Uh, my brother was living in Westchester, and we were kind of having this little family reunion, and we had it at the Captain Lawrence Brewery, and it was just a, a, an awesome, like you said, great space outside. We, you know, those long tables. Our family took up like two of those long yeah. tables, and it was it's, a great time. It was yeah, a great, over, great brewery. Over Christmas, uh, Scott Tansky, another former stinger, was up there with his fiance, and I didn't see the message in time, but he was like. You're literally 10 minutes away from me, so it, it is a small world, especially <laughs> with the hockey uh, hockey community. But um, Captain Lawrence is cool. And then for my 30th birthday in September, we hit up a lot of Asheville ones. Uh, if I had to pick a favorite there, um, I'd probably say it was the Funkatorium with all the sour beers and stuff. Um, you really can't go wrong there. But it, that's a really cool trip for any beer lover. You can just walk to, like five breweries in a matter of 15 minutes which is pretty sweet yeah that was we my girlfriend and i did that trip too and we went to the funkatorium and obviously we both like sours so i almost feel like it was almost overwhelming <laughs> overwhelming like we we did a a couple tastes of different things but then it was like okay well you don't want to be drinking all sours all the time yeah, so yeah. we kind of just uh, we tabled it we went elsewhere and then we came back later because it was just it was a lot of sours yeah. at once but and we had we had talked too about that other one uh, i think it's called brahmi or it's Bravari one of those that's or, uh, incredibly yeah. difficult to pronounce yes. but i went back there um in september and they've really like changed around their setup oh, really? it's pretty cool now um and great beer as well so that place was amazing. Yeah, I I don't know if I had had a bunch of beer, and that's why I liked it so much. Yeah, yeah, that's always the tricky part when you're doing a beer trip. The uh, time of day that you visit a certain brewery, you might like it more than uh, some that you visit earlier in the day. So, <laughs> well, that's what for for this frothy virtual uh, beer fest that we did over the summer. You know, in doing the rankings, I was trying to keep them uh, not influenced by how many beers we had, but. I think there was 11 beers that we tried. Yeah, that's, <laughs> so, that's tricky. You know, it was a little tough. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, looking back at my rankings, I definitely had the, the Tides Irish ranked as my number one. But I also had the uh, Tangalorian Tangerine Sour, really highly rated. Yeah. Uh, as well as the uh, – this is a, a long one. The Oathbreakers of Dunharrow, Grungeist, and Well Melon Hops IPA. <laughs> Uh, but That's I also gave that a, a four, four stars, and the Wimmy Wham Wham Wazzle Lime and Ginger Sour, which I don't think yeah, they have. I've on actually, tap. I've actually had, had that, that one, but um, yeah, that one's really good. I don't think they have that on tap right now, but yeah. uh, that was, yeah, that was a uh, a four beard, and then my last one was the uh, Necromancer Heaven Hill Bourbon Barrel, got four beers as well. So. Yeah. Yeah, those were my uh, those were my picks from the. Was that uh, the only virtual event you did the the frothy one? Yeah, yeah, the frothy. I think from a timing perspective, like that one worked out as far as we we weren't working. It was like in the dead of summer, and um, that was the only one I did. What? Yeah, did you do any any other ones? I did not do a. Uh, I didn't do any beer ones. Um, we. I'm trying to think. We did. Uh, well, we mentioned Scott Murray earlier. Um, Right, I guess it was probably last spring we did uh, like a 
Capitals goalie department Zoom call, oh, um, cool. like a Zoom happy hour. So it was Scott, uh, myself, Vitek, uh, Ilya Samsonov did not make it from Russia. <laughs> it was like <laughs> 13 hours ahead, but uh, Braden Holtby was on there, um, Phoenix Copley, and then uh, Logan Thompson, who played here last year. Yep. So we did that. Uh, yeah, that was probably in April, so that was fun. Um, yeah. So we did. I didn't do anything beer-specific, but... It was funny to see the different drinks that uh, people. I had like a prior frothy or revelry craft beer. And Tomer had like a rum and coke or something. Uh, so it was funny to see what everyone brought to the table. But actually, you know, Thompson's the guy who I've actually stayed in touch with a little bit. He's seems like he's doing really well, and he's eager to get the season going. He was. He was telling me, you know, he's been in, in Vegas um, and getting ready for, for the Henderson AHL season, and um, he just he seems like he's raring to go, but he's, uh, you know, he's a younger guy who just can't, w- can't wait to play. He's, he said, I don't like this AHL schedule. We need, we need more games. We need some more games on the schedule. Yeah, yeah. I've, uh, I've talked to him a little bit. He texted me the other day um, and asked if I was making a comeback. I told him, no, I am not, um, but... Uh, I I know uh, one of their announcers actually is a former goaltender, Mike McKenna, and so we've kind of chatted about Tomer a little bit because he's uh, he's the one of their uh, the Golden Knights color announcers. Yep. So um, yeah, it's been been cool to kind of get the inside scoop on how Logan's doing uh, out in Vegas. He's uh, he's hopefully going to start his season here in the next couple weeks. I know that they started training camp. Um, the Hershey Bears are going to start training camp actually this weekend which is pretty exciting for them. And, uh, you know, I know obviously you, you didn't play too, too many games up there, but that's another franchise. Hey, you were contracted through them for, for all those years. You feel like you're going to follow Hershey, continually uh, watch them a little bit too here over the next next couple months? Yeah, definitely, especially uh, Stephen Whitney, uh, yeah. one of my great friends from college, is uh, re-signed there, so definitely going to follow along with him. And, um, yeah, it's it, uh, – Hopefully, hopefully they're able to get going and, and kind of uh, it's going to be a tough season for the AHL guys. It's like I, I think back to the to the few opportunities I had to play there, but you're playing Wilkes-Barre and Lehigh Valley. It, it seems like a million times as is, and that's going to be increased even more um, this year. So I, I think it'll be a different sort of challenge. And like we talked about earlier, it's I don't know if I could have done it, but I have a lot of respect for the guys that are, are grinding through and. Um, also crazy that uh, they haven't played a hockey game in like 11 months. And so I think the Stingrays are, are pretty fortunate that they've been able to get going again a little earlier. And I'm sure those AHL guys are, are really excited to get the season started. Well, yeah, you saw a lot of the AHL contracted guys that were down here. They probably have a huge advantage going into into Hershey camp because they played, you know, sometimes some of those guys played about 10 games here uh, with the Stingrays before they go into camp. And, um, yeah, it's the AHL is in in a, in a little bit of a tough spot. I don't know how much you, if you saw the the articles over the weekend. There's a, some some more news coming out about you know those guys from a financial standpoint uh, are a little bit more trouble than than the NHL guys, and they need those games because they're kind of their salaries prorated. So it's going to be important for them to to get in and, and get some time on the ice because that's their that's their salary for the year that that they're kind of banking on. Yeah, I think in general, when a lot of people hear the term pro hockey, you might think lots of dollars, and that's just not the case. And so, um, I, 
at the beginning of the pandemic was kind of working with um, our players union, trying to help establish that fund. And uh, because, you know, a lot of guys, uh, the the season getting canceled early like that really did, did hurt their livelihood. And um, so hopefully the ECHL getting going will, will help out with those guys and, and hopefully um, the AHL will kind of have a, a smooth start to their season as well when they when they are able to start. Well, I'm glad you brought that up because I know they, they started that fund and actually a lot of our, our fans contributed to that through a few different things that we that we had held and that we had a jersey auction as well and our owner Todd Haller and uh, matched that total to, to make sure that that went to the players fund and um, I don't know how that ended up all ended up working out with with how that got distributed but um, I'm sure that was extremely important for, for a lot of those guys in the league that, that really were depending on that during the summer. Yeah, the, the Stingrays were super uh, in, engaged in that, and uh, not every ECHL team was, <laughs> so it was nice that they were um, because it was really important. And uh, having been involved in those conversations, the guys were – there were just lots of, of – talks and discussions around how to distribute that money and how to get more money for for these players who um you know not only were they losing their season but they uh it's not like they had a job that they could just run to um that's part of the reason i felt so fortunate to to have one that i i could turn towards but a lot of players didn't have that opportunity and for most ECHL players, they would probably be working hockey camps or something in the hockey world over the summer, and that just wasn't happening last happening last year. So, um, I, I think it was really important what the Stingrays were doing, contributing to that. How's your first uh, couple <clears throat> sips of? We got the uh, it's a red IPA here. The uh, waterfall. What is that? It's first? the Maynard's waterfall. Maynard's so. waterfall. <clears throat> Uh, we, we t I, I can actually speak to this one because I've written it uh, about it. Um, I feel like I'm really loud right now. Uh, <laughs> but uh, so Frothy Beard uh, brewed this with Palmetto Malt, which is South Carolina's only malting company. It's located in St. George. Um, and this was the first uh, beer that Palmetto Malt canned with any local brewery. So... They've done some work with uh, Rusty Bowl right by the Coliseum um, of Somerville Brewery and I think Fat Pig in West Ashley. So it's kind of a small up-and-coming thing, but um, yeah, I, I like it. it. It tastes similar to Tides, but a little more like depth of, uh, it's got a, a little more a little more to it. What would you, what, what do you, what's your take, Chef? Yeah, you know, for an IPA, I'm not a big IPA guy because... They're a little hoppy. They're a little tart. A little, maybe not tart, but a little bit on that, that hoppy, bitter side. Yeah. But this isn't, this isn't too hoppy. If you're, if you're someone who, d who doesn't really like IPAs, but you want to try something that's a little bit hoppy, I, yeah. would, I would go with this. And I, I think whoever set up our flight like this has really, uh, really done a great job. Uh, because <laughs> going from the tides of Galway to the Maynards, it's yeah. like it's like you're kind of getting warmed it's a up very to bridge. the yeah, exactly. the bridge is there for yeah. sure. <clears throat> Shout out to to Kevin Schilt here, <laughs> who set up the flight, yep. <clears throat> numbered it out for us and everything. I mean, that's that's how it's done. Well, and I we only got a couple more minutes in the show, but I, I and I'm gonna finish the uh, this IPA, but I want to jump ahead to the peppermint because you mentioned it before, yeah. And we told Kevin that he needs to 
He needs to include the peppermint because I've not had this, but apparently it's I mean, just take really a whiff good. of it. You get it oh, right, yeah. right off the beginning. But. Nice, winter, <clears throat> nice winter beer, yeah. obviously, yeah. when you get the peppermint involved. Really good. Yeah, this is great. Yeah, it's more more refreshing than you would expect from the. Yeah, you look um, at the color of it and you're thinking <laughs> yeah. it's going to be really dark. Yeah, that's it's actually some of my favorite beer is that darker beer that doesn't actually uh, taste that dark. Yeah, it's uh, like Mon- the Com- is a good yeah, example. Yeah, they have like, a lot of good ones. I or love even stuff. the common misconception about the classic Guinness, like right. looks super dark but actually um, really refreshing. So, absolutely. Lucky enough, I was lucky enough to, to go to Belgium a few years back, and I mean, all that's you know a very typical Belgian type. You know, you, you got that darker beer, but it's actually a little bit lighter. And man, that was a, a good trip over there because they just have so many different yeah. things going on. And um, it was a it was a fun couple days that we had in Belgium trying yeah. some different beer. Del- Delirium, that's the yeah. that's the spot in that little alley there. I've been yeah. there. I had well. uh, the. <laughs> this is a very niche story, but when I was uh, a student at Northeastern, when I was in Boston, there's a there's a place called Penguin that's on Mission Hill. I don't know if you ever went there. It's called no, Penguin Pizza, <clears throat> um, and they have like 200 beers there. They don't have that many on tap, but they have a lot in, in bottles, and yeah. they have the passport that it's a passport book that you can get when you go there. And they keep all of them in the front of the in the front of the restaurant. When you come in, you get it's all in alphabetical order. You get your passport, and then you sit down, and then whatever beers you have, they stamp your oh, passport. I like that. And it, it's all grouped by country. So there's like some from the U.S., some from different all these different countries. And if you get all of the the, the if you fill up the passport with the stamps, then you get a mug behind the bar. And you get some discounts, and you're kind of in the club, so to how, speak. How far do you make it? Not that far, <clears throat> yeah. honestly. Well, as a college student, I, yeah. I know even I was not that curious we, in college. We, I mean, I would say I've got between 30 and 50. That's you know, good. We did yeah. okay. Um, on Monday nights, they had wing specials, so we'd go on Monday and try yeah, to get a smart. few. Yeah. But uh, there was this one beer that they had called Grimbergen, mm-hmm. which was this Belgian beer. And I loved it so much. And then when I went to Belgium, I went to Grimberg and, oh, that's so and cool. uh, got a glass. And it was like kind of yeah. my uh, – but it reminds me of this where it's it was a darker beer, but it actually was – it didn't taste like that yeah. at all. Yeah. So I honestly haven't been able to find it uh, anywhere else in the, U- in the U.S. I, I haven't had it since I was in Belgium a few years yeah, ago. Some, yeah, some of the – that's my dad's favorite too. And um, they'll, they'll get you because they – taste incredible but they're like eight percent right uh, some of them are very strong yeah yeah, before you know it but um yeah yeah. well uh well parker we appreciate the time this has been uh great to have you you by the way we didn't even discuss this you are the second uh you're the first repeat guest on the pucktown podcast so yeah (laughs) congratulations for that well uh, yeah happy happy to be here um always love reliving the glory days and talking (laughs) about beer so uh thanks for having me chef well well thanks very much to everybody who's here and uh we appreciate everything and yeah we'll we'll have to have you be the the first third guest uh third time at some point Um, soon yeah this time next year (laughs) sounds good (laughs) cheers everybody thanks so much thanks so much for being here thank you appreciate it